0: Welcome to the first episode of Chris Reed's book. Hello, and welcome for the first time to Chris Reed's book. This is my podcast. I'm Chris Pullman, where I will be reading chapters out of my first novel, Mystery and Deceit, From Earth to Mars. This is the initial podcast. I am re-recording this, so if this is your first time hearing this first episode and you're saying, wait, what do you mean re-recording? This is the only one out there. Then you are part of the future people listening to this episode. Hello, future people. I will be reading today uh, the introduction to my book and the first chapter But before I get to that, let me just say thank you for downloading this episode, whether you get that from iTunes from your favorite podcast application, or directly from my website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C dot com. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. We will start this podcast series with again the introduction of the book, which is called The Drive, or What I Found Out Later, and the first chapter, which is Meeting Eric. With that, let's jump right into it. The Drive, or What I Found Out Later. No, I've held you off for this long, I will not give in now. Eric, 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 I know just how weak you truly are. I am not Ah. weak. You can't fool me, not when I'm in your head. No, 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 I can't fail, not now, we're so close. Mm. You're no closer now than you were a century ago, Herrick. The one you are waiting for isn't coming, not now, not ever. Just give in, let me take over and all this suffering will go away. I, I want to. But I can't. Shh, now, of course you can. It's easy, just stop fighting. No, I can't. So much left to do. Stop fighting, Eric. I will win. Your body will be mine. Shut up, shut up. You're just a voice in my head. I'm more than just a voice in your head. I'm the voice in your head, and I'm getting sick and tired of this game. Submit! My time has come! No. I won't let you win. I have strength enough for this last fight. You have no strength left. Every day I gain more control, and now... I'm almost able to poke through. It would be so much easier if you just gave in. Why won't you? Because you're a monster. Because if I let you, you'll do here on Mars, what you did on Earth. I can't let you. You won't get a second chance. We barely stopped you once. You fool. You can't stop me this time. I've already put too much in motion. No, I can't stop you. But I won't have long to wait for the one who can. Ha. You cling to that fairy tale as a Drowning Man does driftwood. I have seen him. I don't know exactly when he comes. But even now he is alive. My weight grows shorter every day. As does my patience. Fine. Be that way. I can wait a little longer. What does time matter to the incorporeal? I can last a little longer. I must. If I don't, humanity is doomed. Chapter 1. Meeting Eric One day, a few years ago, I was conducting research for a local interest piece I was doing on a local pub called l h That day, I had gone to talk to Hank Jr. to see what I could dig up on the place that wasn't in government records. While there, Hank Jr. introduced me to some of his regulars. As I was chatting with a small group, commenting on how nice a day it was, a man walked in and sat a ways down from me, flagging down Hank. Despite a firm jawline, the man appeared in his mid-to-late sixties. Once Hank was again free, I caught his attention. As he approached, I asked, Who's that guy? Asking the newcomer. Rolling his stogie in his mouth a moment, Hank said, That's Greg Pace. He's a professor over at New Madison. Comes in, maybe three days a week. Would he be a good source? I asked. Hank laughed deeply. Sure he would, but he never talks to anyone. Not even you to order? I asked with a smile. Hank hadn't been that hard to dial in. (laughs) Fair enough, Hank replied with a chuckle. You're stubborn enough. You might just get something out of him. Come on, Hank added, gesturing for me to follow him. As we approached Greg, he looked up. His eyes passed from Hank to me and then back down into his drink. I felt a slight tugging on my head, something I would come to understand later. At the time, I simply ignored it, pulling up a seat next to Greg. Greggy, Hank said, this here is James Hall of the New Chicago Times. He's doing a piece here on L&H. was curious if you'd be willing to talk to him. Greg looked into Hank's eyes, saying, would you like me to, Hank? I think it would help the boy's story if you did, he replied. The tugging I'd felt in my head intensified as the man looked at me. You're right about one thing, Hank, Greg said as he looked into my eyes. My talking to him definitely will do something to his story. Shall we, Mr. Hall? Greg asked, gesturing at a booth. Nodding, I followed as Greg moved over. And how's the meal looking, Hank? gonna be a bit of a wait today, Greggy. Lunch rush and all. Greg nodded, commenting. He always says that. So, Mr. Hall, what can I do for you? Well, as Hank said, I'm doing a piece on l h Are you familiar with my work? Greg shook his head. I could tell he wasn't being completely honest. Well, I do local, mostly local interest pieces for the Times. Overall, I enjoy the work as it helps me to really connect with the people in the community. And what, pray tell, made you interested in LH? h Well, Greg, it was the upcoming Exile Day, I said. What relevance does l h have to that? He asked, sipping his drink. Well, by the land records, I uncovered enough. This bar sits on the oldest registered plot of land in Olympus Mons Province. And in talking with some of the other patrons, some of whom I assume you know have been regulars here for decades, they suggest that New Chicago grew up around LNH. Since New Chicago was the first settlement on Mars, it is the oldest surviving piece of human history here, I added. I had a gut feeling that Greg knew something about the Terran Defense Force. Ignoring my comment, Greg harumphed. (laughs) first settlement. Well, that is, unless you count Eric Pullman and his TDF comrades as settlers, but those exiles have long been written off as lost. If you don't believe the wild rumors, that is. I mean, after all, when the founders of New Chicago began to arrive here almost 250 years ago, they found no trace of those exiles, just a terraformed planet. And how could there have been any survivors after over two centuries without contact? Mars, when they arrived, was a wasteland. Obviously, they had put something into motion here that made it habitable. But if they had survived, surely there would have been some sign of them. As I'm sure you know, all the settlers found was clear land and earth-like plants. I caught a very slight knowing smile on Greg's face. It was gone so quickly that most would not have noticed it. There's truth in that, Greg replied. So what are you hoping to gain from me, Sonny? A little support a quote for yet another rote piece on how we've made it without the TDF all these years and see how much better we are for it, he asked sarcastically. Not at all, sir. On this rather auspicious anniversary, I just thought it'd be nice to put things into perspective. I mean, if it weren't for their founding work in terraforming this planet, we could never have settled here. And as this is the oldest structure known to exist on Mars, it's a logical point from which to springboard such a discussion. Greg harumphed again, sipping from his glass. I'm curious, Greg, I said, switching tracks. Do you know Tim Fowler? He's a history professor at NMU. Can't say that I do. What does he teach? Greg asked. Oh, Earth history. He specializes in the period from 700 years ago until the Martian Settlement. Greg subtly stilled, his demeanor changing slightly. I was an apt pupil of his, especially interested in the study of Atmo. Greg's grip on his glass tightened somewhat. Do you know anything about Atmo, Greg? He stared hard into my eyes for a moment before saying, No. You're lying, I replied. I can read people. You didn't flinch at my use of TDF. You knew damn well about their prior settlement here. And you're also, I would suspect, a hearer." just as I am. "'Do you know what you've just admitted to?' Greg asked me tersely. "'Of course. In an age when the censors can make people disappear for almost anything, I just admitted to supporting the TDF as the heroes they were rather than the villains the censors make them out to be. Greg, I have the feeling that you agree and have much to share. That's the only way our kind keeps history from being erased entirely.' The government provides us with all the history we need about the period surrounding the TDF's time on Earth," Greg said, a measuring look on his face. What do you say to that? The Department of Censorship provides us with a sanitized history. The TDF, when mentioned at all, are labeled traitors to humanity, butchers. Never mentioned is the good they did. The help in rebuilding they began, nor, I said pulling my trump card, does their version of history tell the whole truth. What of the TDF's true origins? What about Project Plymouth? Few among heroes knew anything about Project Plymouth, fewer still that it linked into both Atmo and the TDF. The project, from what sources I had seen, was where the original leaders of Atmo first met. Greg's eyes widened. Even here you shouldn't mention that name aloud, he said. It was not until later that I understood why, L&H should be any safer in regards to the discussion of hero topics than any other public place. Even so, I pressed, you know something about it, or else my mentioning it would be nothing to you. Greg glanced around the room, furtively. You know as well as I that these are not safe topics to be discussing in public, Greg said firmly, his gaze returning to me. Greg, I agree, but would still like to discuss them if you're willing. My card, I said as I pulled an embossed business card from my note folio, handing it to Greg. Now, though, if you do have some information you could share about LNH, I would be all ears. Greg looked at me once more with his measuring stare. Sorry, kid, but we're done for now, Greg said as he rose, returning to the bar. I knew there would be nothing more to gain from pressing him just now. It was a reasonable response and one I had run into before. As a journalist, I would have made the perfect censor agent. With the Department of Censorship at its most powerful, one had always to tread with caution. So rather than pressing Greg, I returned to the group with whom I had been. As we continued to talk, I worked in questions about Greg. The other patrons knew he was a professor at MNU and was part of the biophysics department. Past that, though, they didn't know much. As I circulated among other regulars, continuing to inquire both about LH and, and Greg, I only grew more intrigued about the man. Many of the patrons, only half jokingly, said that Greg had actually been around longer than L.N.H. And, and could swear either seeing him in hollow picks from their parents or else remembering hearing stories of someone matching his description from even further back. While a student at New Madison University, thanks to several excellent history professors, I developed a keen interest in Terran history. Such was the reason I had picked H. to investigate for this article. The thing is that throughout my studies at NMU, I had grown increasingly interested in the time period starting at the War of Noble Cause on mid-21st century Earth running to the present. Of course, War of Noble Cause is the official name given to the global insurrection by the Triune Terran government. The war, started by a renegade element of the TDF, sought to overthrow the legitimate Terran government. Eric Pullman, in addition to James and Melinda Christopher, Adam Green, Meng Tao, Claire Jakes, Jessica Brune, Don J. Fremen, and their organization known as ATMO, which formed the core of the TDF, stood against the insurrection. However, by the end of the war, enough propaganda had been brought to bear against the TDF that they were forced into exile here on Mars. That was almost 500 years ago. When settlement of Mars began in true some 300 years ago, the first settlers found no trace of those exiles. Instead, they found a terraformed planet ready for habitation. My senior project for Tim Fowler focused largely on reconstructing both the pre- and war-era TDF, as well as tracing their influence in more recent times. Thus, largely thanks to Tim's openness to me in being a hero as well as his support during my research, I became an adamant supporter of the cause. What interested me about Ellen was how it stood just at the end of the official history of the TDF. Any sources of information that could tie the two together, especially coming from someone I suspected of being a hero, was worth further investigation. While I was talking to another, yet another group of regulars, I saw Greg tell Hank something, then get up and leave. Catching my attention, Hank gestured me over to the bar. Excusing myself, I went and sat next to where Greg had been. "'Told me to give you this,' Hank said, sliding a drink my way. "'Don't know that I've ever seen a man buy anyone a drink before.' "'Must have made one hell of an impression on him,' Hank added. It was the same drink Greg had been enjoying. I lifted it, the napkin underneath fluttering down to the bar. As it did, it opened to reveal writing." "'Hank?' I asked, setting down the drink. "'Yes?' he drawled as he came back over. "'Do you know where Greg lives?' "'Over on Limekiln, I think,' Hank replied. "'There on the napkin was written, "'242 Limekiln, 10 a.m. sharp.' "'Thanks, Hank,' I said, slamming the drink, suddenly needing it. "'Getting up,' I added. "'I'll send over a copy of my final draft before it goes to press.' "'Sounds good, Jimmy.' Don't be a stranger. I won't, Hank. And thanks again. I could feel the drink beginning to work even as my car pulled itself out of the L&H parking lot. I had to dig to find out what I could about Greg Pace. He had left me the sort of invitation I would wanted. The man had information to share. That much was obvious. And if he knew of Project Plymouth, that information would be worthwhile. Once home, I logged into my work's databases, pulling on those stores to find anything about Greg. Professor at MNU knew that. Doctoral degree granted internally. Former employee of SNN Industries in their biocomputer division. A heavily redacted article popped up. As a journalist, a certain amount of such digging was permitted by the censors, or else just looking up such an article would raise a, raise a red flag. What remained in the article described some sort of research into prohibited technology, cultivated by a group of independent scientists headed by Gregory Pace. Not only was he a hero, but one who had survived being on the sensor's radar for some decades. It only reinforced for me that what Greg could share with me would be very important. How important, though, I could not have imagined at the time. And that was the introduction and chapter one to my first novel, Mystery and Deceit from Earth to Mars. If you want to get in touch with me about this episode, about this podcast, head on over to my website. There I have links off to my Facebook account, to my Twitter account, or you can just email me directly at chrisreadsbook at narclaninc.com and that'll come right to me thank you for listening to this first episode of the show and I encourage you keep downloading the episodes whether it be the raw mp3 files from the website or subscribe to Chris Reed's book this channel once I'm done with this book will continue to have chapters out of my other books that I'm in the process of editing and writing but for now I'm still recording new episodes of this book. So stay current. Let me know what you think of the episodes. Get on Facebook. Get on Twitter. Email me. Let me know. Give me any critiques, any uh, positive reviews. And if you are getting these episodes through iTunes, please rate the episode, leave a review, so that other people can find it as well. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next episode.